0: What a minute. to be with all of you at the Compass Church, thinking of those of you at Brook, those at Naperville, Wheaton, South Naperville, online people. Welcome back to our series called Revolutionary Love, week five in our study of the teachings of Jesus Christ on love. Well, today we are by a cabin, a log cabin in the woods. Bet you didn't know that cabins in the woods are essential for small group development. <laughs> I had a guy in my small group uh, about a couple years ago now. He came to me and he's like, Jeff, I just, I have this burden for, for us to get tighter. You know, the friendships between us to get stronger. And he said, I know the key. It's going into the mountains and living in a cabin. He explained to me that years before in a different group they had done that. They had rented a cabin. He said, let's do it again. It was awesome. And where do you want to go? He goes, West Virginia Mountains. I'm like, all right. So I said rent that cabin, and that he did. The guys in the group got so excited, and six of us traveled out to West Virginia and walked up to the cabin. You know, the first time this guy had rented a cabin, it was big. It had a kitchen, a living room, fireplace, multiple bedrooms, bathroom. This cabin, big surprise. Friends, it was a shed. I'm not kidding you. Like... 10 feet by 10 feet, one little room, no electricity, two bunk beds. The two bunk beds so filled this little shed that there wasn't even room for us to stand in it. We're looking at this going, uh, six guys, two bunk beds, four beds. And the the guy who rented, he's just like, "Uh, we're just going to have to share beds. All of a sudden, one of the gentlemen in our group, he's the oldest in his 60s, he goes, Pastor, and I come walking over, he's like, I, I, I ain't doing this. No way, man, I, I can't do this. And I said, I got it. I understand. And I appealed to the rest of the group. It really was like a medical issue. It was screaming hot. We're talking like 90 degrees, no air conditioning, little air. And I said, you know, our, our elder statesman here really needs to go to a hotel for health concerns, you know, and I don't want him to be alone, so I too am going to rent a hotel room and the four of you can have fun in the cabin. And uh, that's what we did. Uh, buddy and I each got a room, it was air conditioned, it was glorious, and these guys tried to survive that night in the cabin. Wouldn't you know, at 3 a.m., there's a knock on my hotel door, a panicked knock, and it's one of our guys, he's got terror in his eyes. He says, Jeff, I was having a panic attack. It was so hot on the upper bunk and I couldn't breathe. I couldn't. He goes, by a miracle of God, I had cell phone reception. And by a miracle of God, I found a taxi driver at 3 a.m. willing to go to the middle of the woods in the middle of the night to pick me up. Can I stay in the other bed in your hotel room? Come on in. (laughs) The next morning, the fourth guy said, I'm getting a hotel room tonight. Turned out to be quite a challenge. But the two that remained questioned the courage, the strength, the masculinity of us who ran to our sophisticated hotel. Friends, ironically, though the cabin didn't work out as planned, the bonding was awesome. It's true that our relationships went up to a whole nother level. But the key to deeper and better friendships is not... A log cabin the key is love you know my friend is right there really are levels of friendship in fact psychologists have identified five different levels of friendship the first is strangers strangers are when you have zero knowledge of each other but the next level is acquaintances With acquaintances, there is some knowledge of each other and conversation is awkward. You know, you do your best, but it's just not natural. That brings us to casual friends. Casual friends is when you can have surface conversation, but it's just surfacy stuff. You know, talking about sports or the weather. And uh, it's not real fun to be together. It's pleasant, not awkward, but it's not great. And then close friends. Friends, close friends are when conversation is vulnerable, when you're sharing your heart, what's going on on the inside. And quite honestly, time together is delightful. But there's another higher level, and that's called devoted friends. Devoted friends where the, is when there's complete transparency, when you can share, share of your fears, your weaknesses, your insecurities. It's when there's 2 a.m. commitment. Do you know what I mean by that? If you've got a problem in the middle of the night, this is a friend you can call up, and they'll say, I'll be there for you. Devoted friendships, that's where it's at, friends. That's what we all were made for. It's what we all long for. And we'll never have it without love. Jesus knew that this love, revolutionary love, is the secret to that kind of friendship. So today's study is called Loving Your Friends. Let's learn together how to take our friendships to a whole other level with love. So we're gonna learn about love in the context of friendship out of John chapter 11, really fascinating chapter. It's where Jesus interacts with three of his friends. They are a sibling group, actually, brother and two sisters, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. The three of them live in a town called Bethany, which is less than two miles away from Jerusalem. Actually, Jerusalem has this Mount of Olives. Well, Bethany is just on the other side of the Mount of Olives. And when Jesus came to stay in Jerusalem, he would stay overnight in Bethany and just make the trip over the Mount of Olives each day as he went to do ministry in the city. He loved these three. You know, it's it's an interesting study of friendship in the life of Christ because none of them are his 12 disciples, but they're great friends nonetheless. And in chapter 11, what happens is that this Lazarus gets sick and dies and is buried for four days, and then Jesus Christ resurrects him. Friends, it's extraordinary. The best of the resurrections that Jesus did, he did three of them. You may be familiar with Jairus' daughter was resurrected, and the son of the widow from Nain, she was, he was resurrected. But those two resurrections, you know, the, the people had been dead for only a few hours. It was the, the day of their death that they, was, they were resurrected. But in the case of Lazarus, he's been in the tomb, he's at the point of decay, and Christ calls him out of death and makes him alive again. Incredible miracle. And yet it's not the miracle we're going to be focusing in on. Chapter 11, the the apostle John who wrote it, gave us a window into the friendship dynamic of Christ at a level and in a way that's very unique in this passage, And what we're going to see is that John highlights the love that Christ had for these three. And he shows us five expressions of love in the context of a friendship. And so let's study together, shall we? And learn how we too can express love in our friendships in these ways, taking our friendships to a whole nother level. Here we go. We're starting in John 11, verse 3. The first of the expressions of love is communication. The verse says, the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Lazarus is the one who's sick. And Jesus is about half a day's journey from Bethany at that time. And so the the sisters are so worried about their brother. They want to get Jesus, but they need to stay at their brother's side, so they send somebody with the message, "Lord, the one you love is sick." I, I love how the ladies refer to their brother; he's the one Jesus loves. It was so crystal clear to those ladies and to Lazarus that Jesus loved him. Here, here here's what we know: from the confidence in Christ's love, we can conclude that Jesus had unmistakably communicated how he felt about Lazarus. That's why I call this communication. One of the expressions of love is clear communication where everyone knows where you stand. You love each other. And friends, what I find, maybe you would agree, you know, we think about love in the context with our spouse or our person we're dating, a romantic love. Yeah, clearly. We think about love towards our children and even children towards the parents. But sometimes communicating love in the context of a friendship is weird. Actually, maybe it's just weird for us men. I I truthfully think that women are so much better at communicating love to their female friends. And we men tend to not even want to think about, you know, I love him. Friends, in the Greek language, there are different words for love. And the one translated love here is philio. And philio is the love found in a friendship. Uh, Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love because it comes from that philo, that kind of love. And yes, there is a friendship love. And we need to feel it. And we need to communicate it, express it. Now, maybe a little guidance here would be helpful. I know that looking a guy, looking his guy friend in the eyes and saying, man, I love you. It's just a little weird. So uh, I suggest texting it. Here's what you text. Love ya, bro. All right. Exclamation point. That's optional. Emoji of a heart. Don't do it. That's gone too far. Love you, bro. You know, that's a good way to do it. Or greeting your friends as you see them, wrapping them up in your arms. You're, you're making it clear that... Or you can say, your friendship means a ton to me. But courageously stepping out and communicating love to your friends. So Lazarus knew I'm the one Jesus loves. And our friends should know they're the ones we love. Have you courageously communicated to your friends, that you love them. That's, that's the first step. Here's the, the second expression of communication, and that's correction. Let me read verse 5 and 6. It says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. is a confusing passage. Jesus stayed where he was two more days. He found out he was sick. His decision to stay where he was meant that he didn't get to Lazarus in time to heal him before he died. That decision to delay resulted in the death of his friend. Christ intentionally let him die. That's why John has immediately this reference to the great love. He had for those three friends. Look at it again. Now, Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. So, it could be translated because, uh, because of that love, Jesus let Lazarus die. Doesn't make any sense until you understand what Christ is up to. Jesus later in the same chapter says, I wasn't there so that he'd die so that I could teach all of you a lesson in faith. I wanted to grow you. You have some faith, you need to have more. And the death and resurrection of Lazarus built the faith of these friends and those who observed it. And so Christ was doing something painful for their long-term benefit. We do the same sometimes. It's called tough love. In fact, in the book of Proverbs 27, verse 6, it says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Sometimes when you love someone, you do things that don't feel loving in the moment, but you know you have a plan, and it's your hope that in the long run, your friend is blessed by it. Uh, You know, for us, it's usually not letting them die so we can resurrect them. But for us, it may be sharing a challenge, a bold confrontation that our friend doesn't want to hear, but we know it's what's best for them. Friends, do you show tough love to your friends? I'll never forget in the first year of my marriage, we were playing cards with another couple. And it was a partner card game where my wife was my partner and she made a bad move and I was like, Oh, Jen, what were you thinking? Jen excused herself to use the washroom at that moment. And my friend leaned over to me and he's like, Jeff, marriage is more important than cards. Dude, you're getting so competitive that you're losing your perspective. Go apologize to your wife. Those were not loving words, or at least it didn't feel like loving. It was a rebuke, but it was what I needed. (laughs) I learned an important lesson that day. Friends, sometimes we need correction. Correction is that challenge, that tough love, that saying something that doesn't feel good, but it is love. That's part of what it means to be a good friend. And so let's look now at the third one. The third expression of love is commiseration. I know that's a big word. Well, we'll get to understanding it in a moment, but we see it in verse 33. This is after Jesus has delayed, and therefore Lazarus has died Christ, after four days, finally starts heading to Bethany. And when word of his arrival reaches, Mary leaves town to greet Jesus and welcome him to town. But she's a mess. She's grieving her brother's death. Verse 33, it says, When Jesus saw her, Mary, weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit. Isn't that interesting? Christ sees them weeping. And as a result of observing their sorrow, he is deeply moved in spirit. Friends, that's commiseration. Let me just highlight the word there, to commiserate. You see the miser, miserable. That's really, they both come from the same Latin word there. It means to be miserable and co miserable is to be miserable with them. Co means with. And so to commiserate means to share in the sorrow of another. Uh, Romans chapter 12 verse 15 says, weep with those who weep. God is calling us to show our friends that we care by sharing their emotion. If you got a friend who's hurting, Rather than callousing your heart, you're supposed to enter into their pain. There's an old Swedish proverb. I'm Norwegian. I I don't like Swedes. So the Swedes don't come up with much, but they have a good one here. It says, joy shared is doubled and sorrow shared is halved. And that's so true. That's the beauty of doing life together. And let's focus on the Sorrow shared is cut in half. And it's true. There is something about a friend who commiserates with you, feels your pain, comes around you, and shares what you're agonizing in. It lifts it. It it helps you. Some of the pain almost is transferred from your heart to your friends. And we need to do that for our friends. To choose to feel their pain is a selfless, and loving decision. Well, the fourth expression of love in a friendship is compassion. This is similar to commiseration, but slightly different. Let's see it in verse 34. Where have you laid him? Jesus asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, Oh, see how much He loved him. Jesus wept. Fascinating verse. Verse 35. By the way, when I was a kid, that's the one you wanted to memorize because it's two words. Jesus wept. Though uh, good for a memory contest, it's also profound. Christ in this moment wept. He's traveling towards the grave, contemplating. The suffering that his friend Lazarus went through, the death, so hard. Maybe you've been there at the side of one who dies. And Jesus knew that his dear friend had gone through so much. And as he's processing the death of his friend, he just breaks down and starts to cry. The Jews see it and call it out. They say, look at how much Jesus loved Lazarus. And friends, this is compassion. Compassion is being moved by the suffering of another. Lazarus isn't feeling suffering anymore. He's not sorrowful. He's dead. But Jesus, just reflecting on what he went through, he feels the compassion. I'll just just compare the two. So commiseration is sharing the sorrow of another where compassion is being moved by the suffering of another. Irregardless of what they feel, if they're going through a hard time, what they're going through affects you. And yes, friends, Jesus demonstrated great emotion, seeing that his friend had gone through great suffering. When your friend goes through suffering, do you just feel compassion? Are you moved? That's what we're talking about here. In a lighthearted way, but very true way, I noticed something this uh, playoff season in baseball. You you may be aware that the White Sox had sky-high hopes. Some were predicting they were going to go to the World Series. Well, they made the playoffs, which is better than the Cubs, but they were beat by the Astros in the first round. I used to find so much joy in the White Sox losing. And these days, I've developed some very dear friendships with Sox fans. And knowing that that loss brought them sorrow, ruined my joy in the Sox defeat. I'm not kidding you. It's kind of silly, but it's true. I realized that, that at the moment of that loss, thinking of my friends and their deep disappointment, I couldn't find any joy in the loss. I felt compassion for my Sox friends. I hope they had compassion for me, because we Cub fans had it far worse. But in far more serious events, the same is true. If you have a friend who's suffering, a healthy, spirit-filled friend feels compassion. They are moved by the suffering of their friend. I got one more, one more, and that is compulsion, One of the expressions of love in a friendship is compulsion. Compulsion is when you're moved to do something by the love you have for them. And look at verse 39. Jesus, once more deeply moved, there's that love again, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, Jesus said. This is the preparation for the miracle of resurrection when jesus calls out lazarus from that tomb we we see jesus getting almost demanding he's like barking out an order take that stone away what's going on he he is caught up in the moment emotionally he is moved by the sight of this tomb and emotion leads to compulsion it, it moves him to action to do something about it and friends that's how it is with us. If we really love our friend, we are moved, we are compelled to do something, to put emotion into action and help our friend in any way we can. Be there for our friend in their hour of need. That's what Jesus did. This resurrection was driven not to make him look great, but because he cared about his friend who had died. I saw this just a couple of weeks ago. We had a dear uh, member of our church who passed away and I was at her funeral and as I met folks one of this delightful couple that I talked to uh, I said well where are you from you know they said some things that conveyed a flight and they said oh the the west coast and I'm like you flew in from the west coast to attend your friend's funeral and they're like yeah isn't that what you do I was impressed. I've traveled to distant funerals for family, but I couldn't think of a time, at least so far, where I've done that for a friend. It blew me away. They were on the West Coast, and they heard about the death of their friend. To honor the deceased friend and to support the friend who was the widower, they said, buy the tickets. Pay what has to be paid. Let's go. And it just made sense to them to leap to action, to fly over the whole country, to be there for their friend. And that's what friends do. That's what biblically driven friends do. That's what love is so strong that you put it into action. You you sacrifice time, sleep, money, whatever it takes to help your friend in need. Friendship one of the great gifts that God has given us in this journey called life. And if we want to take just casual friends, bring them up to devoted friends, we've got to insert spirit empowered love. Love makes all the difference. Let's do a review. Communication, correction, commiseration, compassion, and compulsion. The beautiful ways that love is expressed in friendship. Let's pray, shall we? God, we thank you for friends, and we want to do these friendships right. We want to courageously engage in them in the ways that Christ did, with love. Would you guide us to specific expressions of love and give us the courage to step out of our comfort zone and love our friends well? Please, Lord. Jesus showed us how. Help us follow his example.